We as modern business professionals live in a world where technology is supposed to help, accelerate and enlighten us as human beings doing our job. And maybe we all face the fear of technology replacing us someday. But at the same time, technology has made it easier for us to work smarter and not harder. For instance, it is possible for a mid-sized company to successfully rely on a one-man marketing army. Welcome to Televox Talks a podcast about humans and technology. My name is Martin Elmqvist, and with me today is Santiago Mazzone, the one-man marketing army of Numintech in Barcelona. Warm welcome to the podcast, Santi. Thank you very much for having me, Martina. So, Santi, uh, tell us about yourself. Who are you? All right. Um, Argentinian guy from the countryside, lived all around educational background in communication and basically my professional life has always been in tech and I've been lucky enough to go through the wholesale cycle. So before working at Numitech, I was working at Colt. I started as a business developer, then I went into account management and then I started doing some partner marketing and here we are. And here we are. And you've been with Numitech for a full year? Yep, it's been one year now and a couple of weeks. One so, year and a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm still one of the newbies. <laughs> but you still have grasped a full year of working with marketing within the Numitic sphere. And on that note, I mean, how do you prioritize when you're the only one calling the shots for marketing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so doing marketing that drives like actual ROI, and that's also cool. It's a massive challenge, and I'm not telling you anything new here. Uh, but it, it's so much more when you're working with a fast-growing company because everyone's full of ideas, everyone's full of requests. Uh, your circumstances change. They can even take quantum jumps, um, and time and resources can be limited, and they can sometimes be too limited. So, yeah, prioritizing uh, is a, it's a major issue. Mm. Let me say for starters that I, I don't believe in these like mantras or inflexible criteria that keeps on popping on influencer LinkedIn video posts and um, I don't know, this trending blogs. Um, I'm not trying to throw shade here, but I call BS. All right. <laughs> um, don't come and tell me that Reen or Rise will solve my life and guarantee that my priorities are well set. That's, that's too simple. And I believe that when something seems too good to be true, it is too good to be true. So I, I don't want to sound cynical here. Uh, of course, this, this sort of frameworks can sometimes trigger some interesting lines of thought um, and can even like serve some like particular or specific initiatives. But I strongly believe that the way in which you set your department and your team priorities have more to do with uh, your concrete state of things so there's not like a rule of thumb there now uh going back to getting personal and going back to your your question i'd say uh, there are two main pillars in my prioritization process uh one is actually a product management framework masco that that i've taken the liberty to remix and and make my own and the other i don't know let's call it an innate aspect of my personality <laughs> Moscow is this framework that product managers and, and product teams usually um, use to align stakeholder interests. 
and based on that, prioritize what must be done, what should be done, what could be done, and what it'd be cool to have, but it's not feasible to include like within scope. And I really like the fact that the qualitative side of things doesn't get reduced to a simple number in an Excel sheet. And also that it actually sheds a light into, let's call it uh, potential inconsistencies of opinion. <laughs> So it's, it's very diplomatic way of calling it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it actually cultivates friction. Uh, so it, it obliges you as a team to go back and forth, go back to your general vision, goals, and basically agree upon stuff. Um, so I, I mainly use it for my yearly budgeting and planning so I can give actual feedback on the goals and that way also manage expectations. Uh, it's also a great tool for project scope definition and, and general management in setting limits is key to staying focused. I'm on my own, so I, I cannot lose my focus. Uh, but prioritizing is not a one-time job. Like priorities can change throughout the year. They, they can even change throughout the course of a quarter. So yeah, now the, the other thing that I was telling you about has to do with my pragmatism or a, a little bit of anxiety too, but not in a bad way. So let, let's just call it enthusiasm. <laughs> um, people sometimes are like, how do you get all that done by your own in, in such little time? And to be honest, I'm, I'm no magician. Um, but I do tend to bias towards action. Uh, it hasn't been that much time since I first acknowledged that. Uh, I think I saw that expression a couple of years ago in this article by Deloitte. They were talking about like how to go from discussion to action like as soon as possible. And I was like, hell yeah, that that's me. <laughs> it resonated with you. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. So uh, in that sense, and as I like to say it, when you're determining the order for dealing with a series of projects or, or tasks, there's a couple of questions that you cannot miss. So first, do I need to do this? Because whenever we say yes to something, we're saying no to another thing. Um, and the simple fact that you can deal with something doesn't necessarily mean that you should deal with it. And equally important, um, the fact that someone asked you to do something doesn't mean you should do it either. Uh, and I may be sounding a little bit rebellious, but let's leave it at pragmatic <laughs> if you may <laughs> yeah and i mean th this is the, the the reality we deal we deal with uh people will have requests and as you say when you say yes to something you say no to something else the day only has 24 hours the mm -hmm. week only has seven days and at least two of them you should be resting uh and <laughs> and also i think that uh a lot of marketing personalities in lack of a better word, suffers from uh, wanting to to uh, please people and wanting to cater to other people's needs, and that's why you tend sometimes to rely on those who who is the loudest voice in the room or who is the most annoying voice in the room and and say yes to certain things. But I mean, when you're on your own, how do you how do you do that conversation? Because I, I I have the the luxury of having a team, right? <laughs> and I can discuss it with my team. And so, but how do you do it? What do you rely on? All right. So, one of the main questions 
uh, that I ask myself is, is this the best thing I can invest my time in right now? So on this, planning and analytics are the main component to my compass. Mm -hmm. So I'm really data driven and I really suffer from not having data <laughs> uh, because that's like being on my own. That's the only way that I can actually support my hypothesis and actually prove them right. Um, so I don't know. Some, some other questions like how much are you hating that Gantt chart? Like, are we on schedule or are we meeting our goals? If it's actually the best thing you can do, go for it. But do set a challenging time frame for, for yourself. That, that don't just like go with the flow, you know? And I mean, I think this leads us on to the importance of strategy. So let me start by saying that technology is not a cure for anything by itself. And a tool is not a strategy. Um, and, and it's funny because it, it's amazing like how many of us as marketers still fall for those messianic USPs that MarTech companies are so skilled at crafting. Uh, yes, of course. And they are, of course, skilled at them because it's marketers marketing to marketers. Yeah. Uh, so they are doing a really good job, uh, but it's very easy to fall into that shiny trap. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But we, we should challenge them more. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't put it that easy. <laughs> uh, but let, let me spill my tea here. Like, if you're looking into rebuilding or, or building, even building from scratch your MarTech stack, please do not start by comparing product and pricing and features. Um, it's true that the amount of players within that market is growing exponentially. And when facing a certain need, it's hard to define what's best for you. But what's best for you, only you can decide. And it will be highly rooted on your needs and not what company X thinks your needs are or what company Y is using. Um, because in the end, the actual value that a certain tool can provide relies on the strategy and approach it can enable. And ultimately, that will define the potential impact that you have on your audiences and like overall customer experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like to take my time, even though I, I don't have much. <laughs> I really like to take my time and, and deep dive into the outcomes I, I expect. Mm -hmm. uh, inevitably, that leads into revisiting your strategy, how smart your goals are. Like, uh, are you lacking structure? Are you lacking processes? Are you struggling with data silos? Um, can you pull all the data you need for from like the company's operations and and what you do with that data it's also important like so can you transform this data into actionable information because otherwise just those are just like numbers or figures or database whatever yeah um and as I was saying, processes, if you're managing a team, um, lacking processes can be really challenging. So a nice exercise is to map them and, and find gaps. So you get like a wide understanding of your team's needs and really important, like fostering collaboration, keeping up the good vibes because those things are not less important. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that wrapping up to 
come up like with a proper MarTech stack. It's all about crafting the, the proper strategy for your business and then finding the, the tools that will support that. Because if you try the other way around, it just won't work. You'll probably end up having a Franken stack <laughs> and you'll be pouring lots of time and money down the drain. Yep, yep. And I mean, we, we speak about that there are lots of tools available uh, to us and we know that uh, on the market. But I mean, wh what tools are able to help you? Do you have any insights uh, on on what kind of tooling you should choose? Right. I mean, like if we talk about available tools in the market, that, that's impossible to say. Like mm -hmm. things move so fast that it'd be pretty tough to build like an extensive list that I can pick from. I've seen someone somewhere take a shot at it a couple of years ago. And if I remember correctly, it resulted in like 7,000 tools oh, wow. or yeah. something. So that's ridiculous. That's, um, I, I do, however, tend to gear away from open source uh, and tend to go for SaaS. So you don't need to depend on your IT team to manage, to troubleshoot, and you can get support straight from the vendor. So that, that, that comes in handy. Now, like, as I've told you before, I believe that the key is to build your toolbox in alignment with your needs and, and not the latest trends. However, there are some tools that are like basic for any company trying to compete. Uh, so let's say a CRM system, a CMS platform, um, an, an SEO tool, a mass emailing tool, a social media platform design tools oh wait that that's a lot <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> it's, it's not a short list but yeah it's not but yeah and also collaboration platforms uh so you can properly manage day to day and be efficient but again it, it's your business and market that will dictate what you need and you don't necessarily need a tool for every function but you may if it can solve a problem or make you more efficient you may. Yep. And both you and me, we live in this uh, one solution, one platform for everything kind of world. And that is what we market on a day to day mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the way we, we want to live. But is it achievable with this sort of tech stack? And how can you and how can you strive for that? And are there any uh, downsides and what are the upsides? Right, right. So, um let me start by saying that I'm an integrations devotee. All right. <laughs> right. So if you were to ask me, like, how many platforms, like, do you actually need? I, I would say, like, as many as you need and as little as you can afford. All right. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm sorry if you were expecting, like, a, a simple, straightforward, all-solving answer. But I really don't believe it exists. Um... So yeah, I deeply hate having to switch back and forth between apps, exporting data, polishing all these CSV files, um, doing manual stuff in general. It's time consuming, it's frustrating. Um, I still see loads of V2V marketers launching these messages as if they were having conversations with companies itself. Uh, as if these companies were like some sort of like autonomous, intelligent entities that can process information and solve issues for the people within. But we know that's not the case. I mean, we're, we're always talking to people. 
um, and being mindful about this has always led me to start thinking stacks starting from the CRM. So if you can achieve linking every interaction, like every engagement and, and every action to a specific person, the insights that you can get on your prospects and customer journey will be priceless. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this can only be done by integrating into a single platform. Like even if you have like a bazillion tools. Yeah. And it not only becomes a, a, a marketing tool, it then becomes the whole a tool to connect marketing and sales and customer success. And I mean, a, a very utopian, but what lovely uh, future could be a customer success agent uh, getting a ticket and linking that ticket all the way back to what triggered the customer in the first place to become a lead yep. and following the whole journey uh, for the customer with the interaction with the company. Uh, it becomes more personal. I think it becomes a better way of of handling and, and, and taking care of your customers. Also, not only marketing being a tool to get the customer in the door, Right, but actually taking care of the customer in the house. Right, no, no doubt. That's actually like a trend we've been seeing lately. Uh, most well-known CRM platforms have been expanding horizontally and basically they're not built for marketing anymore. They're built for marketing, sales and customer service. So they are starting to become sort of like a backbone mm. for your operations. But something that we need to bear in mind, I think that this is like the ideal scenario. Yep. And in the end, we would be using tech to, to close that gap and really have alignment between these departments. Mm. But this doesn't come for cheap. <laughs> Unfortunately not, no. Uh, so for companies running on tight budgets, it can be a challenge because like if you need to step on your CEO's office and be like, hey, I need five figures for software, um, you really need to make a case <laughs> and a strong one. Uh, so actually the fact that this sort of tool is not only built for marketing anymore, I think comes in handy and really helps make that a stronger case and get that money you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, thinking about that, not, not only being tools used by marketing, how much do you think usability factors into the decision-making uh, when you're choosing tools? Oh, that's a good one. So luckily, I've never really had to face a big challenge marketing people, let's say. But that's something to bear in mind when you're gonna be, I don't know, let, let's say that we're gonna be onboarding our customer success departments into our CRM suite. Um, that, that should be a smooth transition. The learning curve shouldn't be steep. And there should be enough time accounted for for training and having that mid-step when you're migrating from one platform to the other. So basically, we're all people. Everybody's different. There's always going to be some people that need like no training at all and they just get hands-on and start doing stuff. Uh, but you also need to cater for those people that may not be as techy as you are 
and it is something to bear in mind for sure. Yeah, because if you get a tool, it could be the most amazing tool, but if nobody uses it, it's useless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And one thing is ease of use, and another thing is willingness. Th and that's but, two different th topics, th yeah, for but... sure. <laughs> I totally agree with that. And I mean, if we established that we as marketers uh, can be distracted by shiny new things and that we are interested in new tooling and that we have some problems around measuring stuff and we you sometimes grasp at straws to, to make that happen. Uh, and at the same time, we know that the market is quite saturated with must-have tools. I mean, how, how is that saturation look, looking like nowadays? And, and uh, I mean, we, we all get contacted by, by people trying to sell new stuff to us each day. Oh, yes. That <laughs> happens. Yeah, that's, that's daily. That's I, I, daily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we deal with that? How do you <laughs> deal with that? Yeah, it's amazing the amount of messages that you get. And like everybody's trying to pitch their life-changing, marketing, revolutionizing tools. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, we're seeing such a plethora of offerings. Uh, they are all claiming they will solve your life. So making sense of like the general market gets harder and harder like every time. But let me link back to the strategy talk here. Um, I'm talking tooling strategy here, right? As you were saying, instead of going for the shiny penny approach where you try every tool that's pitched to you, even if you get it, if it's not that expensive in case it comes in handy, think strategy rather than quick fix. Whether you have already started building your stack or are building it from scratch, make sure that the solution you're going for can be integrated so that data from different sources can be leveraged, that adoption costs are bearable, that there are no steep learning curves. Um, and, and that becomes even more important when you're talking about implementing a tool that will also be used by other departments. To wrap things up a little bit, we're marketers. So ROI and customer experience are main areas of focus. Let's not forget about that. And let's make it about the outcomes and not the underlying tech. I think that's an amazing note to finish on, make it about the outcome and not the tech, speaking about humans and technology and the vice versa of those two. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you. And uh, hopefully all you out there listening have a new outlook on both technology in general, but technology for marketers more specifically. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Stay away from those Frankenstacks and think strategy. <laughs> strategy, not Frankenstacks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Televox Talks. To find out more about how Televox turns communication into rewarding conversations, visit televox.com. More episodes of Televox Talks are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts.